When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, we look ahead to one of the most major milestones of our lives when we graduate into retirement. Now, here's our valedictorian and certified financial planner practitioner, Eric Brotman, your host of Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. Get ready for inspiration and actionable advice to guide you towards a seamless transition into a dignified retirement where you get to make your dreams a reality. Welcome to Don't Retire Graduate. This is Eric Brotman, your host, and I am excited to bring episode three of our inaugural season to all of our listeners. Uh, My guest today is Kathleen Benjamin, who is not only uh, a, a terrific financial advisor, uh, but is also one of my one of my business partners and uh, and and cohorts. So uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun to have her in studio. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, Kathleen has uh, some specific uh, experience with uh, what we call Act Two Career, which is the the idea that leaving corporate America and finding something else to do um, professionally is a good step toward retirement, toward financial independence, toward freedom. Um, the millennials have coined the, the side hustle and they've, they've coined the fire movement and this idea of being financially independent and retired early. Um, on this show, we talk about retirement not so much as a retreat or a disappearing act, uh, but as a launch pad, as a graduation into the next stage of our lives. And you've certainly done that. So can you share a little bit about how you escaped the grasp of corporate America, first and foremost. Sure. Um, It really got to a point where I was at a point in my life where I needed a little bit more flexibility, and I really wanted to do something that I felt added value. Um, So when I graduated from college, it was the more traditional career path that I took as an accounting uh, graduate and went into the then big eight accounting firms and went to the corporate world. But uh, like I said, after about 14 years or so, I really felt like I needed to be able to control my schedule. Loved my corporate career, great experience, but uh, I wanted, I had a couple kids and I wanted to be, have the flexibility of being the mom I wanted to be and also work in an environment that I felt like I was really adding value to people's lives. I can certainly appreciate that, having having done that after only one year in corporate America. <laughs> I, I couldn't stomach it, so I, I give you a lot of credit for hanging in there for, for a decade and a half. Um, so, so you were, at the time, you were in Ohio. I was. And you're now uh, a Maryland resident. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our home <laughs> state. Uh, before we get to, to that story, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about leaving your corporate job and, and how you wound up in the financial advising business. Um, long before you met me and realized that this was going to be a good collaboration. Sure. Well, my dad actually was in this business, so he was my financial advisor. So I really had been exposed to this concept. And with the, the role I was playing in corporate, I was a controller of a division of a major corporation. So again, really the concepts as far as setting budgets and you know tracking financial data was very common or very similar to you know personal financial planning. 
but like I said, I was a consumer at first. And so when I really decided that I needed to be able to uh, pivot, what I did was I ended up going to and taking some classes to get certification before I was even ready to launch into this career. Banked a lot of money because obviously going from corporate into this career, you are leaving a salary and going into, you know, compensation is not quite so set. Um, and really just uh, planning out as far as then how to structure my days and who I was going to talk to to then launch this career. So, you know, I was fortunate enough with the number of years that I was able to sustain in corporate to have a lot of contacts. So I approached people instead of let me tell you and sell to you, if you will, but let me show you what, I, what kind of work I'm doing now. I'd always, I've always valued your opinion. Um, and so I'd like you, know, you, you to coach me a little bit on how I could best launch this practice. So um, how old were your children at that time? They were four and six. Four and six. So this was not a, uh, a second act that happened uh, uh, you know, in your 50s or 60s. This was something that happened as a young, as a young adult. So for a lot of our listeners, we've talked about the idea of reaching that the milestone, the financial independence milestone, being 55 or 60 or 65 or at whatever age, mm-hmm. and then determining what our next step is going to be. Now, you did this very, very early, um, so clearly you're doing something right. So, mm-hmm. so when your kids were that age, you wanted some flexibility, you wanted some freedom, you decided to go into this business, and now you have also counseled other people, clients all over the country who have decided they want to leave corporate America or they want to, to finish their, uh, their working years in the traditional sense, and they want to graduate and go into some other line of work. So you did this successfully. Tell us a little bit about, um, without too much detail, tell us a little bit about uh, maybe a situation where you counseled a client on how to do this, because I, I certainly know we have some examples here as well. Sure, we uh, really with my clients, I don't use as much the term retirement as financial independence. When they're independent from needing that paycheck, or when they, when they have at least the flexibility of maybe pivoting to a different career and not needing the same size of paycheck. Um, You know, I had a client, I I work with a lot of doctors, and uh, so I had a client that, you know, was working, uh, you know, a pretty grueling schedule, and he got to the point where he felt that if he could pivot to a different type of career in education, which he really had a passion for, that he could, you know, sustain his style of living and continue to supplement, um, you know, as far as being able to work and and maintain his family's um, current lifestyle, but be able to pivot into using and, and creating um, a new education program at a local college. So he got to pursue his passion and you know take it a little bit easier on his body with that grueling schedule, but he was able to pursue a, a new, um, something that really had always interest him, and he was able to do that once we were able to run the numbers and know that he would be okay you know, without having that larger paycheck from the medical. Okay, was that a paid gig for him, or was this volunteering? It was a paid gig. Okay, so um, so being retired doesn't mean not having earnings. Correct. It it just honestly means looking at alternatives. Excellent. Okay, um, we certainly have have counseled folks here before, and um, and what we find anecdotally is people who retire and don't have a reason to get out of bed every morning eventually stop getting out of bed every morning. They sleep till eight, and then nine, and then ten, and suddenly it's noon. Um, and to me, that is a tragic way to end a, a very thoughtful and rewarding life and career. So uh, you've now been in this business the exact number of years that I have. In fact, Kathleen and I determined that we started in the business the same month and year, which was October uh, of 1994, 
which is kind of an amazing thing when you think about it. That's, that's kismet. Um, but now you're a 25-year veteran of this business, and you're not slowing down at all. In fact, I, I get the sense you're, you're ramping up, which is, which is wonderful for not only the clients that you represent, but for, for us here at BFG. So uh, what's next for you? What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I, you know, I think every day you kind of figure that out a little bit more. I mean, as as you mentioned, uh, I had my own solo practice in Cincinnati when I got into this uh, business. And really, I had grown to a point where I knew I wanted to do more for my clients. And it was getting more and more difficult to do it as a solo financial planner. So um, as, as uh, you know, I... I basically was going to a conference and I asked an individual to introduce me to three people who were going to be in attendance at that conference that ran outstanding practices. And Eric, of course, you know the story. You happen to be one of those. And uh, so what I, I was really excited to be able to, first you and I started talking about um, you know what we could do to restructure my practice, but then it became more and more clear that you had already built the infrastructure I was looking for and I was able to move, if you will, because my boys now were grown and had moved out of the house. So uh, that's how I ended up in Maryland. So I ended up, if you will, joining forces to be able to provide to my clients, uh, you know, the, the level of service that I had envisioned, but I was not able to do solo. So I think it continues to evolve as you, uh, as your practice or your profession evolves. And I just love the relationship with the people that I have. Love it even more that now I'm working with kids of the clients that I started with. So to me, that's no greater you know um, compliment than when people entrust me with their kids. So a lot of people when they when they leave the full time grind um, want to get into coaching or teaching or mentoring or some of those types of things um, or consulting. Uh, have Have you given any thought to? to act three because we're not allowed to call it act two for you because you're in act two now um and uh and for everyone listening no this is not an invitation for her to move to act three anytime soon we want to (laughs) keep her here for as long as possible but um have you thought about what that might look like whether it's consulting other financial advisors whether it's uh, mentoring or working with kids or financial literacy or other types of things that are related to the field but maybe are um uh, are, are less grueling you know, honestly, I haven't. Uh, I just moved here a couple of years ago, of course, and so uh, you know, we just admitted some new business partners. So our firm is continuously changing. So I've just actually been very excited about as as our firm has continued to to evolve. But um, I, there is one organization that I have spent a lot of time in, a professional organization, working with uh, individuals in this field, both young and developed. And I can see, you know, being able to volunteer my time to mentor, especially you know, female in this business as far as how to build a practice, how to, um, you know, find that niche that works for them. But uh, with the work that I've done with that organization, I could see expanding that role when I decide to slow down, but can't really envision that happening anytime soon. Well, yeah, I can't imagine you at anything but a full clip myself. But um, you, you mentioned you mentioned something interesting, which is being female in this business. And uh, the financial advisory community is still something like 90% male. Um, and we're very proud here at BFG that our firm is 50% male in terms of, uh, in terms of our advisors. And, and that wasn't done on purpose per se, but we certainly have attracted a, and uh, retained excellent talent. And a lot of that talent is female. Um, and I'm of the opinion and have been quoted on other uh, folks' podcasts as saying that I think women actually make better financial advisors than men naturally simply because 
um, you all are better listeners than we are most of the time and um, and more empathetic and there are certain things that I think um, women do from a relationship building standpoint that men don't do naturally we have to work at it in a different way so uh, you talked a little bit about females and finance or or about doing some things with uh, with your your foundation work are you uh, would that be something that you'd be excited to to launch into on a more profound basis at some point you think oh absolutely i've always been a proponent of volunteering i mean to me you know whoever gets a lot if you will it's it's our responsibility responsibility to give back and so i think that it it is really important to build back into the profession to continue to strengthen it you know as we know financial advisors in general are an aging population so i think it's going to be really important to you know if you will coach and train that next level and the next generation of financial advisors um, I think that it's it's just important to give back, whether it's volunteering at your local community or you know into back into your profession. This is an opportunity that I don't get every day, so I, I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm allowed <laughs> to right now because you're at, you're in my studio. I get to do this, so um, I'm now a client. Mm-hmm. I'm 55 years old, not really, but let's go with that. I'm 55 years old. I've been practicing medicine for 30 years, and. I really want to continue to make a difference in the in the medical community, but I can't I can't see ten patients an hour anymore. I just can't do it. And I know there are options to to create concierge medical practices and to do some other things in certain uh, certain areas of medicine. But what would you tell me would be my first step, or maybe my first two or three steps toward figuring out how and when I could do that? Well, it always starts with the numbers and, you know, taking a look and, and doing an assessment of your current situation and really digging deep as far as what does uh, living without a paycheck look like as far as the resources and uh, to determine if you can live truly without a paycheck or can you live on a smaller one. Uh, and I think once you run the numbers and are really truthful about the situation, then we can really then start tailoring what they want to do. That helps them really guide them as far as what are their options. Is it working locum tenants where they can work a couple shifts and reduce their workload? Is it working in a clinic and being a total volunteer? So it really depends on what they feel, what their current situation is, and where they're at with their family and meeting the needs of their family. Uh, really guides them as far as then what are their options, and then they can explore those to a larger degree. Now, um, how about things like like publishing, like writing, like speaking, and, and those types of things? Not so much for the doctor, um, but for you. Have you considered uh, taking pen to paper and, and uh, maybe writing a book or working on some kind of other publishing or media type of, uh, of approach at some point down the road to, to influence the, the industry a little further? It's certainly something I'd like to explore more. I think I was so busy for so long running my own practice and and raising my boys that I I really didn't have a chance to think of anything outside of that. But over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to be involved in pencil, uh, our pen, I guess, a couple of articles. Um, I've done my first speaking gig this past uh, year, which I really enjoyed and and have been invited to do some more. So uh, certainly I think that's a way that I could continue to influence the conversation in this industry and something that I would like to explore um, to a greater scale. I, I don't know if you if you know this about me, Kathleen, but um, I have been adjunct faculty at uh, one of the local colleges here, and I taught the Certified Financial Planner Practitioner curriculum for a number of years, and being a professor is so much harder than actually what we do for a living. It's amazing. 
um, the amount of preparation that goes into uh, preparing a lecture like that, um, and of course this was a paid gig, but but it was not a very well paid gig. So <laughs> clearly my hourly rate, when you figured it out, was was probably not worth it. But I loved it. I loved the fact that students in the class were um, these, and most of these were career changers. These were folks looking for Act Two, much the way you did. So mm-hmm. you know you you took this program when you were an adult and had corporate experience and kids and family and so forth, uh, a lot of the students that, that were sitting in the classroom with me were in the same position. These weren't, for lack of a better word, these weren't college kids. These were folks who wanted a new career and wanted to launch their act two, um, some of whom were uh, you know, 20 years older than I was because this was, it's a perfect time to launch your second career is when you're 50, 60 and plus. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes, I've done the, the teaching thing, um, and, and the speaking piece is a lot of fun. Uh, I think our next, uh, our next endeavor may wind up being consulting, and consulting with financial advisory firms around the country who uh, are anxious to build the kind of firm that BFG has built here in, in Baltimore. So uh, perhaps you'll be a part of that. That would be wonderful. And I think, again, it's such that actually is the topic that I spoke on, uh, was what a unique situation we have here as far as so collaborative and the power behind having a collaborative practice um, because we can really leverage the talents, the unique talents of each individual that we have here and really come out with just an amazing um, you know, uh, experience for our clients because we are able to leverage the, the uh, talents of everybody. So when we think about the new retiree. And I say the new retiree, not just someone who retired yesterday, um, but the new retiree with a capital R, sort of this big idea that that two generations ago, people retired, they got a gold watch and a pension from their company, they collected Social Security for seven years and they were dead. I mean, that sounds horrible, but that's really what it was. Um, today, we're in a situation where people want to retire or even go in and out of work. Millennials have figured this out. I give millennials a lot of credit as much as we love to beat on them because they're the up-and-coming generation and Gen Z will be a whole nother slate of of interesting issues but um, I love to beat on millennials but they figured this out they figured out that it's okay to work really hard for a while and then take a little time off and do something else and then work really hard for a while Um, and maybe they have this rhythm down in ways that we never understood because we grew up working for uh, working for XYZ company so when we think about that new retiree, capital R, you're talking about what could be a 30-year period of time. Mm-hmm. Let's assume you work till 65. Um, if you're married and both of, both, uh, both of you don't smoke, because that is still one of the things that changes mortality tables, and well, that's uplifting, um, one of you is going to live to 95. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at, with 30 years, not only do you need the financial resources to pay for what functionally could feel like a 30-year vacation, but you also need to figure out um, what are you going to do to fill that kind of time? That's a long time. Um, and, and I find that successful retirees have three things in common. Number one, they have good health. They've taken care of themselves. And that's not only when they retire, but along the way, they took care of themselves, whether it's nutrition, whether it's exercise, whether it's, uh, w- whether it's mental acuity, they took care of themselves, so they're healthy. Uh, number two is they're debt-free. You know, we, we, we use debt in this country for almost everything. And that's not to say that all debt is bad. Sometimes debt is leverage. Debt to start a company, debt to buy a home, that can be leverage. Um, debt at your favorite department store is never good, ever. 
Uh, and so, and student loans, frankly, we're going to do a show later this season on student loans, but um, I, I almost want to go off on a tangent now. I'm going to fight <laughs> the urge, but student loans are a big problem. Mm-hmm. So these, these successful retirees, they have good health, they're debt-free, and the third thing is, is they have purpose. So today, and every episode, we like to leave our listeners with an extra credit assignment. Because nobody likes homework, nobody likes quizzes and tests, but everybody likes extra credit. I don't know what you were like as an elementary school student, but if I got extra credit, I went for it. Mm -hmm. So as an extra credit assignment, we know about the good health, we know about the debt-free. Those are things that, that are easy to figure out. Let's talk a little bit about purpose. What would your extra credit assignment to our listeners be to find purpose in their second act career? I would encourage individuals as they are approaching that finish line of sorts, or not even finish line, but kind of the finish line in, and the starting line of the next chapter, to really explore what they're passionate about and to volunteer at whether it's local organizations or get involved in the professional organizations to really find out what what really gives them that that drive and that reason to get up in the morning. Uh, the the fact my involvement with the professional organization. Really, I look forward to that week. I see those individuals each and every year, and I've done it for 15 years now. So I think really finding that thing or that the group of people or that project that really makes you, um, gives you that ener- that extra set of energy and you're passionate about that you really want to donate your time to and commit your time to is important to find. So I think trying out different things as you're approaching that point is really important. Then you have that decided and figured out and it can be part of your plan as you transition out of the one career and into a new part of your your life so it sounds like you found your tribe sounds like you 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 found your people and you found that part of your next stage of your life that you've already integrated into your current stage which is a great thing Um, and you said to try lots of different things Mm -hmm. how does one get started where do you find associations or organizations or uh, who do you talk to is this a you talk to friends and family or is this a you figure out the cause and then research what is, what is the the best way you think to begin this this extra credit assignment let's let's not let's not give these listeners too heavy a lift that's a big <laughs> lift to find your passion um, and it's great advice how do you get started well, I, again, what I've done is I've talked to my peers as far as what organizations are they involved in and that they've really enjoyed being involved in. Um, I'll talk to my friends and neighbors as far as if there's are you know individuals at uh, a religious organization as far as what other indiv- um, groups that they're involved in. I really try and leverage off and get a referral and get a point of direction from individuals that I trust their opinion on versus trying to start with a blank sheet of paper or starting with good old Google. Um, you know, I just I really would prefer to really leverage off of other people's experiences and try them out that way to determine what what I would like to try out that way. So it it sounds like you found the right dance partner who doesn't step on your toes. Did you have a few false starts first? Did you find organizations that tried to sort of rope you in and get you involved where you maybe didn't feel that passion or weren't that excited about it? Or did did you get lucky at love at first sight with your organization? 
I was pretty fortunate with the professional organization that I was involved in. They actually also have a foundation organization. So I was actually able to leverage my professional organization experience right into the foundation where they were supporting the the uh, individuals who I was working with side by side and supporting their local charities and their local passions, if you will, within their neighborhoods. So I was actually able to leverage, if you will, one relationship into another uh, to help me find and, and to find that group that I wanted to work with. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> I, I kissed a lot of frogs. Um, you know, it, there were there were a lot of different associations and organizations that I've been a part of starting in my very young career. I was very lucky to get some of this advice early and to get involved in the community and in the uh, not only not only your basic networking organizations there's nothing i hate more than a brown bag lunch where everyone gives their elevator speech Mm -hmm. i'll pass that is just awful Um, there are executive dialogue groups that i think can be very impactful um, and some of them are very expensive but some of them you can create yourself and and spend no money on Um, and and what we do find, you know, I've been involved with an organization called Leadership Maryland for, for a decade plus now, um, and there are statewide leadership programs all across the country, and they're for proven leaders, folks in their usually 40s, 50s, even 60s, who have already taken on leader, leadership positions, whether it's in a nonprofit world, in the governance space, in private sector, what have you. There is an absence of a program like that, of which I'm aware, for retirees. Mm. So one of the things that I'm hopeful that, uh, that I can play a role in, at least here in the state of Maryland, is coming up with a way to engage uh, folks who are um, post-traditional retirement but aren't tired by any stretch and are ready to, to make a difference in lots of ways. So, uh, Kathleen, you've been a terrific guest. Uh, do you have any, uh, any closing thoughts for our, for our listeners today? No, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I guess I would equate to, you know, any kind of life change like this. Uh, and uh, people would ask me when they knew what I was doing leaving corporate. Uh, they would admire me, but also a lot of them and people who I thought were wildly successful um, said, gosh, they could have never done what I did. And uh, so I equated it to uh, bungee jumping. Not that I've ever done that. Uh, but uh, It's said, not it's too late. <laughs> we, could, we could do that. I think I'll pass. But, um, you know, it's terrifying, but it's exhilarating all at the same time. And uh, just to have that confidence that you've done your homework and just to, to really go for it and throw yourself fully into it, it can be very exciting and amazingly gratifying. Uh, Kathleen, you've been a terrific guest. Kathleen Benjamin, CFP, CPA, Principal of uh, BFG Financial Advisors here in Maryland. We're going to put your uh, your full bio on our show notes, uh, as well as contact information so anyone who wants to reach out to you and pick your brain can do so. Uh, thank you for being on this episode of Don't Retire, Graduate. Uh, and I, I wish you continued success, not only, uh, not, not only selfishly, of course, because we're working together, but just in general. You've been terrific. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. From this day forward, let us make each decision with our best interests in mind. Let us begin visualizing our dreams and reaching our goals. It's time to take the next steps in our life journey and build our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website, don'tretiregraduate.com to download episodes and connect with us on social media.
Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.